The Guardian. I'm John Plunkett and welcome to Media Talk. On this week's show, a new editor of ITV News, a new columnist at The Sun and a new man takes charge of Newsnight. But can you name all three answers to come? Plus, a spot of bother for Spotify and farewell to the BBC's much maligned HR director, Lucy Adams. And there's all things small screen with The Guardian's TV and radio editor, Rebecca Nicholson. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Well, it's a Robinson special on this week's show with Media Talk regular Paul Robinson and James Robinson, former Observer Media Editor turned PR at Powers Court. Alas, a sponsorship deal with Robinson's barley water fell through at the last minute. And with that lame gag, James, welcome back to King's Place. Thank you. It's a pleasure. An absolute pleasure to be back. Be back. 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 How's the, uh, how's the role from, uh, from journo to PR? How's it going? Uh, uh, seamless. Seamless, actually. I just bought myself a few expensive suits, some new ties in the sale at Paul Smith. Bob's your uncle. I look plausible. The Paul Smith sale shop, one to cherish. Yeah, exactly. I'm there every week. Paul, do you know this, the Paul Smith sale shop around the back of uh, uh, I know New it, Bond but Street? I haven't been to it, but I, he is the best, best dressed man here today by a mile. Ever on Media Talk. Ever on Media Talk, well, yes. Well, you know, it's a, I'm presenting a corporate face to the world, so uh, it's all change. It's all change. And the broader shoulders, but uh, let's not go there. Right. <laughs> Onwards, and we start this week with Tom York's favourite music streaming service, Spotify. Increasingly ubiquitous, except in my iPhone, where I've never been able to make it work, Daniel X's seven-year-old service is targeting people's living rooms with Spotify Connect. So instead of plugging your iPod into your stereo or whatever, you do it all through your Spotify app, using Spotify's record collection, which is marginally bigger than John Cusack's in High Fidelity. The very next day, it turns out that the Ministry of Sound is suing Spotify for copyright infringement claiming it has refused to delete users' playlists that copy its own compilation albums. That's now ongoing at the High Court, with the Ministry of Sound, which I last went to in 1992, it was rubbish, seeking damages and costs. Uh, James, what, what did you make of that? Can you really claim copyright on people's playlists? Well, you may not be surprised to hear what my first reaction was. No, how, how ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, it's a list of songs. But then when you look at, you know, what, what are some of the, uh, the compilations I've got? Back to the old school Garage Classics Volume 2 one of my personal favourites, there is some skill and aptitude towards to creating these track listings. There is some mixing, there is some DJ acumen. It's not like now, that's what I call music, um, I think we're up to 85 now. Yeah, uh, I, I bought number six. Yeah, I, bought, I think I bought number one or two, actually, so up yours. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's not Kylie followed by Coldplay, followed by another, you know, mediocre atrocity. I mean, and clearly the users are replicating what they would otherwise be paying £10 for in the shops or online. So, you know, it'd be an interesting one. It's a, it's a tricky one conceptually to get your head around, isn't it? But it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Paul, what did you make of this? It's the, it's the latest challenge to Spotify. Well, I think it's um, very hard to see how they can possibly make this stick because, uh, you know, you take an example of um, an album where the tracks clearly have to be played in sequence. You know, you take a, you know, old school like you know, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Are you saying you can no longer pay Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon in order because that's now going to infringe the, the track listing if that happens to be a playlist, if that creates as a playlist? So that's, that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Radio stations are creating uh, lists of songs all the time. In fact, you know, commercial radio is doing more and more of back-to-back music. Um, and there will be an occasion where, by coincidence, they will play the songs in the same order as a Ministry of Sound compilation. Are they really going to sue that radio station? I mean, chances are small, but the, in, in theory, that exists. 
I don't think you can argue there's copyright in the order in which you play the tracks. Of course, there's skill involved in it, you know, but you can't copyright that. What you probably can argue is that using the brand names on the albums and labeling playlists with those brand names, you could argue that's a breach of copyright because that name belongs to the person who created that album. But the, the listing of tracks, I can't see it standing up. I mean, Andy Weather. I mean, you get Andy Weatherall or whoever, you know, whichever D. I'm showing my age here. Uh, you know, Danny Rampling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing tracks in a certain order, don't you? In nightclubs. I mean, yeah. where does it? Have, I know what you mean. Where does it end? But I think, I think these, the, they have How many cur- tracks. I mean, you know, yeah. for example, if you're playing three tracks in a row and that's a playlist, is that going to infringe? But, you know, is it twelve tracks? Is it a hundred? You know, it, it, it's so wide. It's very, very hard mm. to argue. I think. Well, I mean, I'm intrigued by it. the whole issue of Spotify. Uh, this kind of feels like well, this is where the debate's at now. Previously, it was between you know digital sales and, and physical sales and now now the kind of the battleground seems to be between actually buying stuff and just streaming it instead and a lot of people seem to be opting for the latter what, mat- what matters here i think is the artists won't really care you know the artists will still get paid and what but how doing- much do they get paid by spotify That's well the question. The, the question how much they get paid is, an, is a mute point and, and we don't really know and spotify have never been completely transparent about how much they pay artists but the point is that really ministry of sound here are a middleman who are increasingly looking like they are irrelevant and being squeezed out and what they're trying to do is protect their margins they're taking money you know, by being the guy between the music creator and the consumer. And that model is changing and going, and I think ultimately will go completely. So this is an attempt to protect their margins, and I think it's going to fail. Yeah, it's a branding exercise and a marketing exercise, isn't it? To, 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 they're marketing Ibiza as much as anything else, or marketing the sound of Ibiza. So you're right, the, the issue's moved on a bit. I mean, I think we all accept now that there's different ways to different media or media to transmit music on. The question is, you know, it's, a, it's back to the same thing that affects most media, which is you're swapping sort of analogue pounds for digital pennies, aren't you? And you just need to hope as an artist or, or a music industry executive that the pennies add up to anything like what they used to add up in the old world, which is um, an issue all media are facing. Next, it's time to turn to our new news, as it were, those three new people I talked about at the top. First up, uh, did you guess the new editor of ITV News? It's Mr. Jeff Hill. He's currently the editor of Channel 5 News, and he succeeds Deborah Turness, who moved to the US last month, you will remember, of course, to take charge of NBC News. Uh, Jeff Hill, understood to have beaten ITV News deputy editor Jonathan Munro, and Chris Shaw, editorial director at ITM Productions, uh, to the top job. Paul, what did you make of this appointment? What's, what's the challenge there at ITV News? Well, the challenge is for ITV to continue to be a significant news provider against massive competition. You know, they're clearly they're the one with the fewer resources and, and Sky or the BBC and less money. Uh, this seems to be a, a guy who's, who's gone away, you know, via Channel 4. He's done other stuff at Satanta and at uh, CNN, got more experience, come back and got the big job. He's obviously an ITN guy. You know, he's obviously got the relationship with John Hardy, the chief executive. So um, he seems to have a good chance. He seems also to be quite light with staff, although clearly the person he's taken over also had tremendous cachet with the team and that's important but yeah it looks like uh, he's set for success ITV News, James, they had a, a, the big scoop, of course, with the, the mobile footage of the Woolwich attacks in, in yeah, East London. But, but apart from that, you know, ITN, all the plaudits again are Channel 4 News rather than ITV well, News. Although they, did, they also did well on Savile, Jimmy Savile, didn't they? Which I know where the, the, the BBC didn't run Savile, so ITV did and, and won lots of awards for it. But I think the, you know, especially the, the sort of tea time news, the 6.30 bulletin is very strong. I think the gap between ITV and the BBC, which is obviously... You know, and you talk about greater competition, but that's the, the measurement that everyone uses, is, is quite small compared to the bigger gap at 10. In fact, I think 6.30 is a better time to nowadays to have a tea time bulletin than 6pm. I know that he's in charge of the whole shebang. And I wonder if the BBC might look at pushing that back just because of changing working patterns. People are working, you know, longer, getting home uh, later. But he's, he did very well at Channel 5. You know, he, he was a, it wasn't a bit of an ailing brand, Channel 5 News, and he, he revamped it um, very successfully and 
he's I think he's very popular the people I've spoken to so you know ITN's hugely popular with staff so I think it looks like a very good appointment okay well next up in our three new appointments is uh, Tony Parsons who's the brand new columnist at The Sun he was unveiled just days after he bid a teary-eyed farewell to readers in the mirror where he's written a column for the last 18 years Parsons said uh, he was leaving his beloved readers with a lump in my throat and tears in my eyes and a massive load of cash in his pocket <laughs> well we can only hope that he stopped crying by the time he writes his first column in The Sun on Sunday uh, he said he was thrilled to be joining the best-selling newspaper in the country. And any journalist who wants to reach millions of the British public wants a column in the sun. So, uh, God, why did he spend so 18 years at the Mirror? Poor chap. Uh, but, Paul, this is all part of the relaunch of the uh, Sun on Sunday. Exactly, part of the launch of Sun on Sunday. And also, of course, about assembling content that's going to really make it possible to put this behind a paywall. You know, that's the... Uh, the job that uh, the editor of the uh, Sun's been given to do, you know, as identified quite correctly in the uh, top 100. Uh, and so this we'll is all part of that, that strategy. <laughs> exactly, it's part of that strategy. You've got to have uh, unique content and, um, you know, columnists that people want to read, and, and, and Parsons is one of them. Whatever you think of him, you know, he's someone you do want to read and you do take notice of what he says. He gives differentiation and he makes that paper stand out. So he's part of that strategy. But James, what do you think? How, how important are columnists? Would you really uh, would you really pay up because Parsons is there? Obviously, one of several. Big yeah, I mean, no, they are important. I mean, you know, you look at the importance of Clarkson to the Sunday Times. I mean, it's almost like you know, could, if Clarkson left, the Sunday Times would be bereft. They generate a huge amount of traffic online for the paywall, as Paul points out. And Kate Miranda um, the Times, I guess. exactly the similar. I mean, they are important. The big ones are important. I mean, I'll be totally. Honest, I don't. I don't know if Tony Parsons is really in that category anymore. If he ever was, to be honest, I mean, I, I, th- I think he's brilliant. I love his work. I love, I'm a great fan of his uh, writing. He's not G- a Clarkson. He, he's not a Clarkson. But I, I mean, think he, if, you, if you stack up all the different layers, you know, and you have yeah. several Tony Parsons, mm. it's going to help you build a proposition, isn't it? I mean, it's not a, it's yeah. not a silver bullet. It's like, better than yeah. Katie Price, that's for sure. That's I mean, sure. Um, but but I mean, to be honest, Judy Birchall's the person you would have hired if you. That's your dream hiring at the Sun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't go to the Sun, but the, 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 she's still someone that is incredibly good to read. Always, always controversial. Well, the third of our new people in new jobs this week is Mr Ian Katz, the Guardian's former deputy editor who took charge this week of BBC Two's Newsnight. Newsnight, of course, suffered in the uh, Savile crisis, although some might say it lost its mojo some time before then. The good news is that BBC Director General Tony Hall has made it clear that he regards it as one of the BBC's most important programmes. And regardless of those £700 million worth of cuts being delivered across the corporation, he said if it needs more resources, then it will get it, which is good news for cats, presumably, and good news for viewers of Newsnight. Um, now, chaps, it's a bit early to detect an impact so far because he's only done two programmes at the time of recording, but um, well, it's, it's a big challenge there. Oh, yeah, here's a huge challenge, but the only way is up, isn't it, in some ways? So I think it's a great job for Ian Katz to do. He's a, you know, he's a great journalist. I mean, the, the, it's interesting that they've got the similar problem. I know we talked about Clarkson at the Sunday Times, Paxman at Newsnight is so incredibly important to the programme. You know, I know that people who used to work on the show say yeah, if he retires, the show's just going to have to fold. Clearly, there were problems with, with, with post Savile, and um, it, I think it had lost its way slightly. Um, and I think Ian will be able to, Ian Katz will be able to solve that because he's got a great left field, you know, news sense, and he'll, he's got he's got fantastic thirty years experience as a journalist. But the, but the problem is, you know, it's it's showbiz. There's that element of showbiz, and you know, how do you deal with that? How do you how do you um, because ultimately you're going to have to look at what happens in a post-Paxman world. Yes, well, Paxman, uh, Steve Hewlett, uh, Paul, in the Media Guardian this week said that um, 
So Paxman was was the program's most important asset, but also the new editor's biggest headache. Because as as uh, James says, you know he's almost bigger than the show, but you got to move on eventually. It's yeah, not the Jeremy Paxman show, I, well, although it is. I, well, he is the biggest asset. But I think you know, watching this week, it was interesting. I, I saw Monday, but not Tuesday. Um, you know, a competent mix of stories. Nothing, nothing special. Nothing you wouldn't expect. But Paxman did still look somewhat disengaged. Mm. You know, he looks a bit bored. He looks a bit blasé. He was he was okay on Syria. The conversation discussion they had about bail, the football transfer. He really wasn't into it. You know, it was a very bland conversation, and you got a sense he was just filling for time. And then at the end, when there was discussion about um, video sharing and, and, and six second video sharing you know he was almost apologetic for asking Newsnight readers to send in their videos he didn't really want to do it he just came across as being bored and disengaged so somehow you've got to get him into the news agenda and owning the stories and he didn't feel like it it felt like a new editor really trying to sort of push the direction make it technically savvy make it a bit younger and pack so sort of you know yeah, weary old pack it's, when he, it's like when he used to have to read out the weather do you remember that he used to read it out in the most incredibly unenthusiastic Enthusiastic in a way imaginable, and of course that didn't last. They they got rid but of the, the goal. Has to be. To, I mean, you, you don't want to lose Paxo. I mean, the goal has to be to get Paxo. You know, mm. finding a new mojo, getting him excited again. Because you're right. If you lose Paxo, that's a massive amount mm. of that brand yeah. gone. But at the moment, he still looks to me very tired on it. Maybe do a Channel Four News and get a, do a double presenter. Yeah, 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 get a female in and you know get a woman in and 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 try and mix it up a bit. I'm sure I'm sure Paxo would welcome the competition. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That. <laughs> Uh, right, well, still with the BBC, an not entirely uh, unfamiliar phrase here at Media Talk. It was announced last week that the corporation's head of human resources, Lucy Adams, is to leave. Adams, you'll recall, has come in for no end of criticism over her role in the six-figure payoffs handed out to departing BBC executives, amounting to around uh, oh, about £60 million in the last eight years. Adams will be back before MPs on Monday, that's the 9th of September, along with BBC Trust Chairman Lord Patton, BBC Trustee Anthony Fry and former BBC DG Mark Thompson, who will have plenty to say, no doubt. Uh, Rumours that it's going to be a pay-per-view event on BBC Parliament are as yet unconfirmed. Um, But members of Margaret Hodges' Public Accounts Committee will no longer be able to demand Adams' head, James, because she's already served it up. Uh, Indeed, yes, Um Incredibly difficult period for the BBC with this with ludicrous payoffs, frankly, and some confusion about who was told what way. And it's a typical BBC, you know, no, no one's fault essentially. Screw up. Um, sorry, no one's fault essentially. And is exactly, the, is the yeah, the deputy heads will roll and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I think I mean I thought we were going to talk about a bit about the, the supposed monitoring of emails and the other the other sort of dirty tricks which been which has been alleged, which we should say the BBC is completely denied. But this was a yeah, this was a claim by the NUJ that their emails have been snooped on and they yeah. pointed the finger in the HR department's direction, yes. which which the BBC have thoroughly refuted. But yeah, I mean it's a, it's it, they'll survive this. It's fine. They have got a new broom in. They have got Tony Hall in. He'll be he'll be fine. You know, um, they just need to get this out of the way. Paul uh, Lucy Adams had to go. Really, they said it was nothing to do with uh, the payoffs, and she's come to the end of five years. And it seemed like an appropriate time to go, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm guessing uh, you know most people think otherwise. Well, I mean, hurrah that she's resigned. I mean, you've got to give her that. She's actually seen the light and she's gone, and I think that's the right thing. I mean, this story about the NUJ emails, of course, is really a continuation of the, the bullying that's been uh, alleged by the NUJ. If true, really worrying about the culture of the BBC. This is about culture and about how the BBC treats its staff, and I think what's really important is whoever comes in now to replace Lucy really deals with that. Tony Hall is clearly taking it seriously. They have an opportunity to get it right. Historically, it's been pretty poor in many cases, whatever the truth of these particular allegations. And the BBC's got to clean its act up. It goes back to Tony Hall's comments, you know, up in Edinburgh about the, the, the existence of an officer class, doesn't it? And there's this perception that, you know, all the management do very well and, and you know, to an extent look after each other. Um, and, you know, you forget that the, 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 
the staff at the BBC have gone for a very torrid time. There have been numerous rounds of redundancies and layoffs, and you know the organisation shrunk quite a lot. There's been huge budget cuts, so they're, they're under huge amounts of stress. And still making great programmes. And still the BBC making great is, Despite all yeah. this, you know, the BBC still makes good programmes because people actually in the shop floor are committed to editorial excellence. Yeah, exactly. And, t- and Tony Hall needs to bridge that gap, doesn't he? You know, he needs to go back. You know, Greg Dyke wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but he did have the support of the staff, and he needs to heal that rift. Okay. And finally this week, Amazon's Jeff Bezos gave an insight into how he'll run his brand new purchase, The Washington Post. Uh, planning a new golden era at the paper, Bezos said he'd apply some of the lessons he learned from Amazon to running a newspaper, which are put the customer first, invent, and be patient. And uh, replace customer with reader and Bob's your uncle, or Jeff's your owner. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> thank you very much. I paraphrase slightly. Uh, you're welcome back anytime, James. Um, Bezos said he'd offer his point of view to the paper's management and would provide something called a runway, which the Post described as financial support over a lengthy period while it tries to find a way to, to make money, essentially. James, it's fair to say it's going to be quite a long runway. Those three ideas he had, I don't, I don't want to be cynical, but they're not that great, are they? I'd like to see him stand up at the AGM and tell that to shareholders. Yeah, be patient and uh, what was the other one? Put the customer Think first of some ideas and, and put the customer. Yeah, it's right. one of those where you want to say the reverse. You know, don't be patient, rush things, put the customer last, and mm-hmm. don't invent any new products. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, you couldn't possibly disagree with those statements. But again, it's you know the, the, we all know he's, he, he's, he addressed staff, I think, and he came up with the right analysis about the problems. We all know what the problems are. You know, they're obvious. The print re- readership's falling, and and you the digital. We, we don't know whether you can really make money out of paywall yet so you know finding a solution to that I mean yeah, I have to say I'm just, I just I don't know if there is one I mean the world's completely changed you know the breaking news story now you don't even go to the BBC you don't go to, you go to you go to Twitter you know and, and the Guardian you make all you know news organizations but it's just so difficult to put that impossible to put that genie back into the bottle isn't it so very challenging times but to have a sugar daddy like Bezos yeah. fantastic dream come true for any newspaper yeah, Paul, his, his pockets are the right size. His pockets are the right size. And it'd be interesting to see how big his pockets are and indeed how long that runway is, as James says. To me, this is like being in a sort of a, a basic business studies lecture. You know, we, we all know this. is nothing very clever here. And he's sort of almost saying, um, I'm putting it to the staff. You solve the problem. I'm going to empower the staff and you're going to come up with the answers. He's provided no specifics here at all. These are general statements anybody could make. So absolutely no idea yet what he's going to do. I think this gives no clues whatsoever. I think you're totally right, James, about you know, going to Twitter for breaking news. What I would say, though, is when you go to Twitter, you look at uh, where the news stories are, you look at whether it's a BBC story or a Guardian story or someone you trust, and that's the basis upon which you judge whether you believe them. So those brands, in terms of trust and and belief, are still important, albeit they're they're delivered via Twitter. What happens when Amazon's the subject of a, you know, an antitrust case in the US? Or, you know, I mean, of course, I'm sure he's not going to be calling up and putting pressure on the the editor of the paper but it will just be intriguing to watch their coverage of Amazon and the internet, other internet giants generally well thank you very much chaps coming up in part 2 the Media Guardian 100 well I see Paul in front of you you have this year's Media Guardian 100 thanks for bringing it along oh never miss it you know it's it'll a, be used for the cat later it's a <laughs> I know you haven't got a cat. That's a lie. It's right. indeed a lie. Uh, okay, so this year, uh, well, this year, a, a slightly different uh, top, Paul. What, what did you make of our number one? Tell us who it is and, and what were your thoughts? Well, well num- number one is, is not an individual. Number one is actually all of us. It's, it's you, the consumer. And, uh, you know, in a way, you know, a little bit cheesy, but actually right. You know, it's sort of saying the right things. That actually the world has changed, you know, as individuals now. It's about personalization, about empowerment, about getting stuff when you want it, wherever you want it. And that's what this recognizes. And, uh, you know, a nice, a nice little uh, uh, sort of gimmick, I think, for, for, for number one. Um, I liked you know. all of it apart from gimmick. But carry on. 
Okay. And cheesy wasn't good either. Well, cheesy wasn't so great. Well, we'll cut that out. Well, what do you think, James? Because there was an argument, maybe given you know Edward Snowden's revelations and everything. That in, rather than you, it should be them. You know, I think who knows one, who's listening to this? Exactly. <laughs> Quite yes, very good. Very good. Oh yeah, number one could have been whistleblower, couldn't it? The whistleblower. I mean, you know, where would the um, the press be without whistleblowers? But yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it's the new media. It's the new media guardian. One hundred in some senses, isn't it? I know uh, Tony Hall, Lord Hall's at number three, but the rest of it, most of the rest of it is is uh, the Googles and the Twitters and the the Facebooks of this world. I think I'm right in saying. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, that just shows you how things have shifted. It was only five years ago where you just the only the main question you'd ask yourself is Will Rupert Murdoch or the chairman of the BBC or DJ of the BBC be at number one? So it does show you how the the world has been transformed, revolutionised over the last decade. And I think that's right. I think it's. A, I thought it was very original thinking from The Guardian, if I can say that, uh, to put the consumer, you, us, at number one. Well, we'll, we'll stick that on the box set. Uh, but, Paul, what do you think? Anyone, anyone we missed, do you think, or, or too high, too low? Or, you know, do you know, I, it, I think you, you can debate about uh, positions, can't you? And some people have gone up and some have gone down. And that, that's believe me, we things. did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had two, really. Um, maybe too early, but um, I thought that um, uh, Jamie Anger should be in there as the new editor of today because, you know, the audience to today, 7 million people, probably um, more influential in many ways than, you know, many newspapers, um, you know, many TV programmes. Maybe it's too early. Maybe next year's his year. Let's see what he does uh, with the Today programme. The other one who's missing, although you did, uh, you did have uh, John Maloney, uh, was Tom Mockridge, who took over as the chief exec at uh, Virgin Media. You know, and Virgin Media had a very good year. You know, they're the broadband is, you know, amongst the best, if not the best rated in, in the UK for speed. Um, they've been successfully in rolling out the broadband on the tube. They're doing broadband all over the UK for various councils. Um, and, and TiVo has exceeded two million and is doing very well. And in fact, the debate there is whether that, that's going to um, replace the Horizon service, which the rest of Liberty is taking. So Tom Mockridge, I think, very interesting choice. Also a former News Corp guy. Uh, I think he could have been in. But otherwise, I can't really fault the numbers. Oh, Paul. Too yeah. kind. James, any thoughts? It's, it's a strange one. That we, we're just, is Adam Rosbitter up two this year? I think um, possibly. He may well be, yeah. I think he possibly should have been up uh, a few more than that. But, uh, and I'm only saying that because I mean... Yeah, it's up, up three, actually. He's up three. No, you know, it's, been a good, it's been a good year for The Guardian editorially. It's an outstanding year, to be honest. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, I thought I thought he was right. I mean, you have to reflect the, the rise of new media, don't you? And I think that's it's, it's, it's everyone's digital. Because I mean, we, we try and categorise each each entry, but uh, I mean, essentially, everyone's digital media. Yeah. If you're not, you shouldn't be in the hundred. Yeah, in exactly. one sense. It's a great forum for debate, isn't it? And it's a it's a great um, way to get people involved and and the, and give their views. Is he still in the the one hundred and one? I think you potentially. Well, that's a good idea. I mean, I don't want to make great work for you, John, but, you know, I think we should all be nominating our 101. It suffered a blow after a voting scandal, uh, a potential voting oh, really? scandal involving Tyler Brulé a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, his which, supporters, which, which, yeah, allegedly. Which risked the credibility of the poll. Uh, you did anchor this, though, very nicely, I think, with uh, Lord Justice Leveson. Now, that was, that was, that was nice. Um, also, must say, I'm, I was pleased to see a number of radio people in there. So Chris Evans, Bob Shannon. Um, Table, uh, Ashley Table. Ashley Table in there. Ben Cooper. Uh, good to see radio still in there. Yeah. Right, and finally, it's time for our Media Monkey Quiz. Which of these is not a contestant in the new series of Strictly Come Dancing? Rachel Riley, Tony Jacklin, Abby Clancy, or Nick Knowles? Uh, Kirsty off Corrie's in it. She's great. Um, Rachel Riley. no one was listening. Right, the, the answer is Nick Knowles yeah. is not a contestant in the new series of Strictly. I, I'm disappointed. Is Paul, I had you down as a fan. You're, you're more of an X-Factor man, aren't you? Yeah, I, I am. I, I'm, I didn't really sort of get into this, actually. I, All right, I'm question not, I'm not two. quite ready question for this yet. Who's been named as a surprise support act for Coldplay? Oh, Ricky Gervais. As David Brent. 
I mean, what's quiz do... work when one person gives the answer, the other person? I mean, do we need well, to do like a points. Mr. and Mrs. and go into a soundproof booth while, while someone else does the answer? Well, we'll back. Back. Oh, it's fingers on buzzers. It's fingers we'll, on buzzers. We'll oh. talk about this off air. Okay, fine. Question fine. number three. You've still got a chance to salvage a draw, James. Right. Uh, score so far one to Paul, zero to James. Question number three. Who will play the Simon Cowell figure in Harry Hill's West End X Factor spoof, I Can Sing? Harry Hill? No, but it's <laughs> Nigel Harmon, ex East Ender Nigel Harmon. Damn it. So uh, that was a triumph, I think. Uh, and uh, the scores are one Paul and uh, none to James, I'm afraid. But maybe just next time. Just rub it in, James. But, uh, so, yeah, just, to, just the quiz. I ask questions and then you have to try and answer and earn points. Okay, I'm, I think I'm going to grasp it. It's a new, a new could, media concept uh, that won't catch on. I make think. a TV show out of that. It's good. All right. Well, on that, on that high note, uh, it's so good till then. Uh, perhaps we'll lose that. Uh, but if you can hear this, we haven't. It's uh, my thank you to James Robinson and Paul Robinson. It's time to talk television now with The Guardian's TV and radio editor, Rebecca Nicholson. Hello. Hello. Uh, out last night? Uh, perhaps. <laughs> good times? For a, for a little while. Yeah, very good times. Um, there was dancing involved. Was there? I feel like I shouldn't talk about this. Like, yeah, this I'm going to get into trouble yeah. um, for my midweek dancing. But yeah, there was dancing involved. Excellent. Well, I'll find it on YouTube. So <laughs> what have you seen this week? Apart, apart, from, <laughs> apart from blinding headache the uh, first thing this morning. Um... We I'm not going to overdo it. You look perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, I would never yeah, fine. I, I'm actually, you know, it was more dancing than drinking, but fine. If you want to besmirch my reputation like Sorry. that, go ahead. So you've been caught. The X Factor, we should talk about the X Factor. Yay, it's back. It's back. Everyone watches X Factor. There's a lot of people say they I hate... don't watch X Factor. Oh, come on. All right, I, bet I, you, I bet you absorb it by osmosis in some way. I'll skip through the program, watch the ads. Yeah, great fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they've, they've brought it back. To its kind of original style, I suppose. They, there's a Saturday night episode, which is closed auditions. Sharon Osbourne is back, brilliantly back so far. Looking um, better than ever. Looking better than ever. And I mean, if you're entertained by a woman saying that everything's fabulous and collapsing into fits of giggles every five minutes, which I absolutely am, then it's, it's fun. It feels like fun this year, which I, it hasn't really felt like that much fun for the past two or three years. On the downside, there's a Sunday night show, which is kind of like the auditions were over the past few years, which is in a big arena. And they have to do their auditions again, but in front of a huge audience, which I don't really understand the point of it. Because you just, you saw these people the night before. So kind of having their cake and eating it. Yeah, and there's no context. You don't really know how far apart these auditions have been. It kind of shows that people sometimes just have a bad day, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. And that feels a bit flat to me. I don't really need to see people audition twice in a weekend. So not so keen on the Sunday night show, but the Saturday night show I found very amusing. And ratings-wise, it was up on last year. Yeah. Uh, but it's all relative. It's still, I think it was the second lowest in the last seven years without um, turning into Stato. But it was up on last year, so they'll be yeah. glad of that. Did it start later this year? Am I right in thinking that it started a bit later? I was going to at the risk of turning to Stato, but now that's a stat I can't come up with. So, so clearly I'm no Stato, but I don't well, know. Stuart Heritage wrote about it for us this week, and he said it's nice to watch X Factor when it's getting dark outside, because you do feel a little bit like you're wasting your life if you're watching X Factor and it's still blazing sunshine. Just so, draw the curtains. Yeah, well, you could do that. A bit weird. John Lewis, do very good blackout blinds. Do they? Oh, yes. I'm making a note of this right now. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I did see Radio Times. It said uh, 1 slash 22 next to the first episode of X Factor. So we've got, we got 20 to come. So it's a long old run, isn't it? It is a long run. But I, I'm more inclined to stick with it this year than... I had a couple of years of dipping in and out rather than dedicated viewing and lost interest a little bit. But I think bringing Sharon back is actually a very good 
a very good thing. Okay, next up, I think we're sticking with ITV. With Let's stick show, with ITV. Right? Yeah, this is the guilty, which is I guess the new Broadchurch. No it, pressure. It's no no pressure. It's not as good as Broadchurch. Having said that, I remember discussing Broadchurch on this program based on the first episode, and I got it completely wrong. I remember you slated did. it. Didn't you say it, was, it felt like a comedy or a spoof? <laughs> I think I'm so heartless. <laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot lately. So I'm a bit worried about what I'm going to say about the guilty in case the same thing happens. If you, if you like it, ITV are in massive trouble. Oh, yeah. no, no, I, but I didn't really. Oh. I, I, I can see it's intriguing in the sense that a kind of well set up mystery is intriguing, but it looks dreadful. It's really soft focus flashbacks and it feels like. Um, it reminded me of a cross between a Danielle Steele novel and one of those uh, books you get in WH Smith's called things like Please Mummy No. You know those ones. It's really <laughs> Well I remember that. I'm laughing about this awful ch- I mean it's about a child murder. I shouldn't I shouldn't be laughing about it, but I think it's really ham fisted. However, it's well done enough that it's intriguing and I suspect it will be big. And who's in it? Uh, Tamsin Gregg is the DS. Nintendo DS. She's the Nintendo (laughs) DS. What, DI? DI? I don't know. What are they called? She's the police police lady. (laughs) So she's the the Olivia Coleman. She's the Olivia Olivia Coleman. And is there a David Tennant? I don't know his name, but there's a man who does a lot of Channel 4 comedies in it, and he plays the grieving father. He's very recognisable. But I keep expecting him to do a joke. Which doesn't help. Because he's got a comedy face. Not to say that people can't switch between the two. Some people... Olivia Colman, great, is very good at both. But with him, I keep expecting him to do the face. Having, I mean, having said all of this, I probably will watch the next episode because I really do want to know what happens. And so see if it's the guy just, cracks a gag. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> about, yeah, no, it's not that kind of show. To sum up, The Guilty, ITV, Thursday night. Yeah, like a budget broadchurch. A budget broadchurch. <laughs> <laughs> Stick that on your posters, ITV. <laughs> next up. Next up, A Touch of Cloth 2. Ah. Um, there have been two episodes of this so far, and it's Charlie Brooker, the Guardian's own Charlie Brooker. Yeah, as, as interviewed on last week's Media Talk. As interviewed on last week's Media Talk. And it's the second run of his spoof cop show, which is very Naked Gun-like. Uh, and I've watched two episodes of this over the course of the weekend. My mum has been staying with me, and I made her watch two episodes of it. She wasn't keen, so if you, know, if you want... I'm sure she'd be happy to come in and offer her opinion yeah, on the week's TV every week. week, but just as a little extra outside opinion. Is that Mavis Nicholson? Uh, Mavis, yeah, that's right. her name. <laughs> thought so, yeah, I've heard of her. <laughs> I really admire it, and I actually, I really loved the first one, and I really admired the second one. All the jokes, there are so many jokes, it's tightly packed with jokes. They're very clever, as well as being completely ridiculous. But I find it quite hard to keep up with it. It's almost like you would kind of hit around the head with jokes at every turn it's very funny it's very well done but i did feel slightly exhausted by the end of it i felt all funnied out funnied out funnied out <laughs> well i felt exhausted but for different reasons after watching the return of aaron sorkins the newsroom the uh, newsroom is building up on my dvr device you got all 22 episodes yeah, of the first series i haven't i haven't started it yet it's simultaneously the best and worst television show i've ever seen but i think the second series just tipped it over into the worst category again it's, oh uh, no i was G- hoping that it might be an improvement so cheese that, factor 11 should i delete it it's like a past it's like an aaron sorkin pa- it's like charlie brooker has done uh, <laughs> a, a, a touch of aaron sorkin it is just, you know, where the West Wing hit the target, this one sort of, you know, resolutely and brilliantly misses it at every turn. So it hasn't improved. So. I thought I thought it would come back 
But it was a personal triumph for me because I managed to find it on my Sky Planner, which was the first time I've managed to get some sort of uh, preview show before it's actually been on TV. Oh, which really? Is possibly a reflection of my abilities as, as a viewer, but possibly a reflection of the, uh, the navigational um, <laughs> whatever of my Sky Box. But anyway, yeah, I found it and I wished I hadn't. I which is the title of episode two of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to delete it. And finally, I'm going to take a punt, Rebecca. This is, uh, I've no idea if you saw it. What, what Remains? Have you been watching that on BBC One? I haven't seen it, no. no. Have, you, have you enjoyed it? If that's stacking up on your PVR, DVR, EVR so thing. So much is stacking up. Then I recommend you watch that. Yeah, it's all right, actually. Yeah, it could go either way. How is David Thorfall? Brilliant. Is he? Brilliant, because I never saw Shameless. It passed me by. And it kind of makes you think, oh, I wish he hadn't spent so long on Shameless. He could have been doing other stuff like this. But he is very good, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, wait and see. Two parts in, two to go. The, the Plunkett household is in a state of minor <laughs> excitement. If only you could download them all and watch them in one blurge, <laughs> like only. what Kevin Spacey said. If only. Oh, the, the, pleasure of, the pleasure of deferred pleasure. <laughs> it's up there with the pleasure of ready meals. Okay, four episodes I think is manageable, so I'm going to delete the newsroom, Yeah. and I'm going to try to find the what remains. That will be all that what remains on your planet. That will be all what remains. Marvellous. <laughs> That's <on>. dreadful. <laughs> thank you, I'll put that on my box set. <laughs> Rebecca Nicholson, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for this week. My thanks to all our guests, who were James Robinson, Paul Robinson, no relation, and Rebecca Nicholson. You can leave your comments on our Facebook wall or our blog, or you can tweet me at johnplunkett149. Media Talk is produced by Mr Matt Hill. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.